We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore. Joined as always with... Oh, what? Do you guys want me to do the shitty SNL character impression intro? Okay, I will. Joined as always with Cajun man, Alex Degepchon. <laughs> <laughs> and rounding us out today is Sean, the Seanster, the Sean man, the Seanorama, Sean Shank oh. Redemption, Jordan oh. Peele's Sean, Teenage <sighs> Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Sean, <laughs> Snyder Nash. Wow. Wow. Look <laughs> at you. Yeah. It's beautiful. Beautiful way no. to start. We're number one in your hearts and number seven in your Google results. What's going on, everybody? We want you to not unsubscribe after that shitty intro, but we do want to thank uh, the Daily Smart for featuring us on the front page of their website and adding us there. If you want to continue to support the show after that intro, please do by subscribing to us on iTunes and Spotify. And while you're at it, hey, why don't you give us a five-star review as well? Uh, you can also check out our latest articles on WrestlingElitist.com. Alex had an article that just came out today on the awesome Ricky Starks angle that we're going to talk a little bit about later on today's episode. Um, Sean has been posting some updates with the G1, an article that's going to be coming up later on tonight is the final uh, most recent current night of the G1. And I had an article on the top 10 SummerSlam matches of the 90s, and I didn't give five stars to Bulldog and Brett. So apologize for that if that really fucked with your head. Uh, you can also follow us uh, on social media via Twitter at Wrestling Elitist Podcast and on Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast as well. Whew, boy. Tidy so like intro. What? Down. what an intro. <laughs> Sean, what's the format of this damn show? Yeah, we've kind of finally switched it up on you guys. We're going to continue with our news of the week and then go down our match moments, cringes, and what we're looking forward to in the, the coming weeks. So there's a lot of wrestling that happened this weekend. Um, AEW had a good run of shows during the actual week, but then on the weekend we had SummerSlam. We also had something that you want to talk about, Sean, Ric Flair's last match. Yeah, he survived. He amazingly survived. Um, everything I saw in little clips, he barely survived. He looked blown up the whole time. Uh, as bad as a chubby kid in the community pool with that cut-off t-shirt the entire time. Doesn't doesn't look good. Um, ended it off with a knuckle buster and a figure four lock to win. And got some drinks with Kid Rock at the end. So this kind of sounds like the old nature boy that he used to be. So good for him. Please, hopefully, let this be the last match. But I think, uh, just like Ozzy Osbourne, there's no more tours, tours to come in. Yeah, I, uh, I actually was considering buying the last match and decided against it at the last minute. And I've seen enough clips to know that I made a good fiscal decision. So proud of myself <laughs> for that one. Responsible. And, and I think also, this isn't a creative thought. I've seen this take everywhere. But let's all just remember Ric Flair's last matches his match against Shawn Michaels instead of that, because it was not, uh, it was not pretty. And I think he even said in his promo afterwards that he didn't remember half of it. Yeah. That's a scary thought. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. I thought I was the only one that thought he had a good chance to die, but apparently that was the entirety of wrestling Twitter. And that's a weird thing where like the whole audience thinks it's entirely plausible that he's going to die or that he wants to die in the ring, which is just. Uh... Did you see him bragging in like the, the press before the match about how 
So if you have a pacemaker, you should never go whatever your age is plus like 60. Yeah. Uh, like as your heart rate. So if you're 90 years old and then you can't, you shouldn't go over 150 essentially on your heart rate. Okay. And he was bragging about how in his lead up to the match, he says, I've been hitting 205 when I'm working out on the bike before, you know, getting ready for this match. So if that hasn't taken me out, I don't think wrestling will. Well, that doesn't feel great if I bought a ticket to go see you. Yeah, you're building to that day, that heart just to <laughs> blow up in the middle of the rain. Yeah, just not good. I was also concerned just looking in the audience. You had Brett there and Mick and Undertaker. And I just hope no other, maybe not, hopefully they don't want to do another match. But I hate the idea of some wrestlers going like, you know, Rick looked a little rough in there, but if I did it, I could pull it off. I could, I could do, do it. it. Yeah, it wouldn't be a problem with me. And I well, just I fear that there's going to be wrestlers that are way past their prime and are genuinely unhealthy to be in the ring, want to do another run. And like it was cool when Barry Horowitz did it, but beyond that, I don't want to <laughs> see another person go. <laughs> he did what he could. They're not. He was. He wasn't going like Undertaker or Rick has, and just just pushing their luck a little too far and kind of putting a little stain on the end of their career. So hopefully it's a, a sign for others. Like you're saying, just stay away from that last payout, last cash grab. Alex, what was your news item of the week? So mine is a little bit more minor than I think we typically have. I think just from a, a name standpoint, but Carl Fredericks has uh, left new Japan. He just announced it today on Twitter he was one of the original kind of four pillars of the LA dojo working with Shibata. Uh, we saw him at some new Japan strong shows back in Dallas. Uh, I think we've actually seen him at a couple of other like local shows, whether it was like a ROH war of the worlds or something like that back in the day. That feels right. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like we've definitely seen him a few times. Um, but I, I just think it's interesting because I never really felt like anything has happened with any of those original guys that went, that kind of came out of the dojo there. And uh, you know, he came out of the young being a young lion, and I think a couple of the others have, but they really haven't made a name for themselves as wrestlers in New Japan. So, I'm interested in you know, was this his decision? Does he is he trying to see what he could do outside? Especially with, I don't think necessarily the Triple H news. You know, as soon as it is it made this decision for him, but is it time for him to try WWE, AEW, something else? It'll be interesting to see where the other uh, dojo guys go, and if one of them actually breaks out as a star, because really. They've all been fairly forgettable for me so far. Yeah, the only one who kind of really has gotten the little glimpse of Shining Star has been Clark Connors in that uh, Forbidden Door match that he kind of filled in the spot last minute. But yeah, none of those guys are really taking over a shine. And maybe Clark Connors has just grabbed the little bit that they all had. Am I forgetting someone too? It feels like the most major splash of a new star coming in was Jay White. Like he wasn't, he was a young, young boy and like Shingo came over later on, but he's already been established. But like Jay White felt like he was like the first guy that was like, okay, this is someone who's back in their system. Who's a big deal that they initially developed. Am I, am I missing out? Like, yeah, the only other person. Yeah. Or like, okay. Yeah. And actually this doesn't, this doesn't really answer your question, but like, I remember when Robbie Eagles first came over, I I thought he was going to be a star, but he hasn't really. Yeah, done much over there. Um, and that's an interesting kind of case to make. Like when has New Japan really made their last their last big name that there isn't anybody that hasn't been around for the last 
eight to 10 years at this point, other than Jay White, it seems like everybody else has been either they came over from somewhere or, you know, you look at a, even a Kenta who was, you know, he made his yeah. name in, in Noah and then in WWE. So, um, yeah, I, I can't really put my finger on anybody that they've truly brought up. No. And, and it's and something I, I hope yeah. happens soon because they do need it. We'll talk a little bit about the G one later on, um, in the show today, but yeah, they could use that. I mean, right or wrong, WWE is investing in Austin Theory. He may not be what everyone wants, and he may not be developed the best way that they could with him just losing, 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 and getting the shit beat out of him. Um, but at least someone's getting pushed at the new face. So uh, I'd like to see some fresh faces in WWE as much as I were. I'm sorry. I would like to see some fresh faces in New Japan. Excuse me. All right. My news item of the week was AEW going to Canada in October. So they're going to be making their debut and uh, their international debut, excuse me, in the Great White North coming in uh, October. Now, the venue that they're going to be in is running a little bit small. Like, I was surprised that it was only a 6,000, I think, person venue. I would have thought that they would have gone to the whatever the arena that the Raptors and Maple Leafs play in. Mm-hmm. I think there's an audience for that, and they probably would have been able to draw. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think I'm overestimating it or underestimating their drawing ability in Canada? I think that they should have a higher drawing ability, but I don't know what things look like still there from like a COVID standpoint. Maybe people still aren't going out uh, on on that regard. But then also I, I was hearing rumors like a week or two ago that, and I guess we hear this every time because we heard it for Chicago for all out and, and everything, but that potentially the full gear pay-per-view mm-hmm. is going to be in, Toronto or somewhere like that as well. So very well could be that they don't want to, you know, they don't want to oversaturate with two huge shows. So maybe it's a small show this time. And then in a month you have that 12,000 seater type of a thing. That explains it. Or maybe they're just planning on not being able to cross the border with uh, much of a roster. (laughs) 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 We got a, we got a dark elevation uh, Palooza over there. Then we're just bringing guys that you may not have heard of. It's all we can, it's all we can do because of our political leanings. Um, All right. Well, let's go into match of the week. What was your guys's match of the week? Yes. So, uh, I guess I'll start and we'll see if I can get this right. It was, I was going to uh, say, don't trip up on this one because yeah, this one fun. is going to be, this one's going to be sticky. Landmines. Yeah. Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson and getting to see Daniel Garcia go over on that. I think that was an interesting uh, choice there, but I think it, it perfect timing for everything. Right. So, um, when you look at going into like the Japanese influence that Brian Danielson has, uh, Typically, when people are injured and they come back from an injury, they don't win their first match. So that kind of opens up a little bit right there of an opportunity for a Daniel Garcia to get this win when he just lost to Wheeler Yuta. He's kind of lost a lot of his main big matches that he's had on television anyways. And you've also, you're also building the Jericho Appreciation Society uh, for Jericho versus Mox and potentially even Jericho versus Danielson at All Out. So I think that I think Garcia winning really, really helps keep that group looking strong right now mm-hmm. as you head into these last few weeks in this build towards all out. And I think really it also ultimately makes Wheeler Yuta look like a, a little bit stronger of a, of a title holder. I know that G- Garcia had to cheat to win there, 
but he still won and he, you know, made Danielson pass out. So there's, there's something to that. And I think that they just did it in a way that it didn't feel like a cheap heel win. Like, obviously it didn't feel clean either, but it was still impressive. I thought it was a hard hitting match. That match belonged on new Japan world in terms of the style and everything about it. Loved it. And, uh, Definitely was a surprise, but a, a welcome surprise for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely hard hitting. Felt like there was just like all gas, no breaks the entire match. Uh, love when they get outside and uh, Brian Danielson is still just going full speed, doing his drop kick right into the corner. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Daniel Garcia's uh, quickly becoming the man in my eyes. I love the, the way he really kind of puts all his effort in, really wrenches in the, the sharpshooter. And it was great. I, I like to see where this kind of goes. Eventually, it's got to go in the way of every Jericho group. Uh, the young guy's going to try and take it over and blow it up. So we go that way. Eventually, this maybe leads to an interim title shot for him with Mox. So that'd be fun. Yeah, I thought this was a great match. I gave it four and a quarter stars. I thought it was one of the better TV matches of the year. Brian Danielson just has no problem creating these four-star plus matches on TV. And I thought that actually didn't need the interference. Um, it didn't need him do uh, Jack Swagger coming out or Jack Hager coming out. Your favorite. Uh, yeah. my The greatest wrestler of all time. Eat shit, Kamala. Uh, no, but like he, uh, it just didn't need it. Like, I think it was credible enough with the story they were telling with the concussion issues. Now that's, maybe a sensitive issue and <laughs> you're kind of like god just the judgment of that i don't know if that's the best storyline to do but i mean it's real and it's plausible we've done uh we they've done injury angles before that are real and feel authentic but maybe that was hitting a little bit too close to home because it's not like it's like a mcl or something like that it's your noggin that's going to cause significant damage um but they made it real that just simple bump of him coming off the top rope, him being Danielson and just that fear of do, am I knocked out or is he concussed? And then Garcia was hesitant and reticent to go attack him. Yeah. And just showing a little bit of that. Yeah. Maybe not compassion per se, but just, okay, what's going on? Is this just that hesitancy? I thought was a really great real move into it and a nice touch and very intense match. Those guys can really hit it hard and, uh, he's got a little bit of Zack Sabre Jr. now of being able to put a hold on you and be able to get you. And if you're in the wrong place, that could really fuck you. And I think he's going to be an incredible uh, star for the future. Yeah, I felt like the I, I understand the with with the injury kind of in them doing the callback to the concussion stuff, the the concern there. But I thought that they did it to where it wasn't overdone. <laughs> And, you know, for the right. people who did that, for the people who always say that, oh, AEW doesn't care about in-ring psychology or all of these things, that match was a perfect example of how they do use it. And in terms of Garcia and his concern that he kind of showed on his face, it didn't, it didn't really change anything from him acting as a heel, you know, but it, like, he just had a look on his face at times where you're like, he doesn't know what to do right now. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was enough that it didn't seem over overdone or anything like that. I thought they played it perfectly. Yeah. Classic match. It was uh, great to see in the highlight of the week for me. Uh, let's go into what we thought was the moment of the week. Uh, for me, it's all Ricky Starks all the time. So uh, <laughs> as, as I covered in my article, I, I enjoyed the turn that uh, powerhouse Hobbs had on him uh, and his promo, but even the part leading up to that with, 
him facing Danhausen, defeating him pretty quickly, and then his cockiness getting the best of him, and then being defeated by Hook. I loved kind of everything about that whole like lead up right there. So having having him beat Danhausen, jump on the, the mic and call out, you know, I give me somebody else. You could hear the fans chanting Hook. They knew that this was kind of what it was coming. Chris called it last week on the podcast. That's probably how all the fans knew. Such an and then hearing Taz mm-hmm. even saying like, "Don't do it, don't do it, Ricky, don't do it." And then Hook comes out. Uh, the pride that you could hear in Taz's voice during that whole part was amazing. Getting to see Hook show a little bit of emotion and a little bit more like playing to the crowd than I think he typically does too, even like in the match. He had some really cool reversals and some really cool transitions into things. Uh, that was a really fun match. Like Even though it was quick, I wouldn't even call it a match. It was just a fun little segment almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing them bump fists afterwards like, hey, no hard feelings. And then immediately into that promo where uh, powerhouse turned on him was just, it was perfection. Um, I said it in the, in the article. And I think I even said it to you guys in text over the week. Um, I was watching that promo and I was like, Oh my God, we're about to get face Starks and Hobbs. And I don't even think I finished that thought in my head as, uh, as Starks was laying on the ground from Hobbs, uh, just decking him and then hitting him with a spine buster. So, perfectly done uh and can't wait to see where these two go I'm, I'm just hoping that they both come out of it very strong yeah yeah this was my moment too the Hobbs turn just I love this where this sets them both off to uh the heels uh heel big guy and Starks that absolute pretty boy is going to be the face so that's perfect um just what's what a like circum of circumstance of events that just keep continue to happen to him losing the title still feeling like he's a part of the group and then just gets bashed in the head by his, his former bestie awful awful night but love where this goes yeah they've did such a tremendous job building this the with the little thing of him doing an open challenge and of course hook is going to be the guy that stops it but you didn't see it coming this quick but it didn't feel like it was a bad payoff especially with the criticisms they've been getting about how elongated jericho storylines are this was so quickly and it was a succinct storyline uh the fist pump shows that a baby face push is coming or a turn is coming and then that in-ring promo it felt exactly like dax's promo from a few weeks ago the fight like an eight-year-old girl and that you could just feel the power of the microphone going over to him and going, okay, this is his moment. He's going to hit it out of the fucking ballpark. And you just felt that anticipation when he started talking and he caught a masterful promo was doing fantastic. And then Hobbs did that turn out of nowhere. It made me think of that Batista turn that he did on Ray Mysterio years ago. Granted, Batista called it out and was mm-hmm. like, Ray, I'm going to rip your head off <laughs> just <laughs> before he did it, which is one of the greatest turns of all time. This felt like, wow, this is an impressive moment. And you think of all the wrestling we watch and all the wrestling we watch through our lifetime. I don't know about you guys, but I was like audibly going like, oh, shit. And like just so hyped up and exclaiming out to, you know, no one in my basement. This was a great thing. Just like freaking out. And we watched so much wrestling just in the past like two weeks and just an exhausting amount. And this was great. It was in. So a lot of times when the, when you get surprised by a turn, it's almost like a turn for the sake of a turn or for the sake of a twist or something like that, and which kind of takes away from it. Like it's just shock for shock value isn't great shock, I guess. Mm-hmm. But in this case, when you're bro. doing it, <laughs> yeah, turn bro, and, and uh, like, but in this case where you do it in this perfect way, 
and it's these two guys that looked like they were about to go on the come up together and now they're going to do it still together but separate at the same you know in terms of they're going to be a part of the same program but against each other i think it's just a well done well timed but also they didn't sow the seeds like they have been for you know keith lee and swerve like that everyone's been expecting so i think it was just an interesting way to do it and you know i i said it in in my article once again let's plug that one more time at wrestlingleaders.com uh I, I think it's going to be the first real test for Tony Khan and whoever else helps him with creative to take these two guys and have them both come out of this program looking like, you know, looking, going stronger, uh, because I'd love to see Ricky going after, you know, some, some bigger titles or maybe even leading somewhere in ROH, maybe being the person who challenges Claudio at some point. But then also Hobbs, I think, is such a perfect uh, person to face Wardlow at some point for that TNT title. You're going to get to see a lot of good opportunity for both of them as long as um, as long as they they end up looking like stars out of this, and and one of them doesn't end up the the Marty Chinetti of the group. Ah, oh, that poor guy. He's just been getting sh- he's been getting shit on by you. The acclaimed shit on him too. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a with I'm good a reason. Ass- I mean, it's not yeah. like it's like totally unfounded. You make a big public spectacle of yourself, thinking that you may have fucked your daughter, and thinking that was just an, a charming thing to say. Eh, you're going to be the butt of a couple of jokes, but my God, Marty Jannetty's had a rough week. Oh. He has, you know, uh, me and me and Max Caster both coming after him. You know, yeah, two of the hottest influencers gonna- in the wrestling <laughs> world. Two best stick man of all time, Alex, <laughs> Alex D. Gibson, the Cajun man, and uh, Max Caster. <laughs> oh, boy. So not everything was perfect, though. So let's go into cringe. Sean, what was your cringe of the week? My cringe has kind of just been, and maybe you guys can talk me out of it, a little bit of just the C and the G1 cards when they hit. There's been some nights where it's like the Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro Takahashi versus David Finley, Tama Tonga versus Chase Owens, uh, bad luck fallet match of all time and lance archer just <laughs> no, there's nothing like nothing captivating there nothing enticing you to come watch this or stay sticking around and not just hitting to like 245 to watch the the main event chase chase owens versus great Khan. it actually ended up being a good match but just things ended up being so good but the the night the names aren't enticing i don't know if it is just the there's um growing pains to new things and this is a totally new kind of block so we'll see but uh i don't want to see things where there's like evil and kenta and it's going to end in a a, whatever a kick out or not a kick out i'm sorry a count out just um, i'm not so happy with the g1 so far with this new new style you'd be generous to give anything more than two stars. I mean, like it's, it's been yeah. very flat. They're good matches. They're not bad, but they're just uneventful or unexciting or uninspired. It was sort of like SummerSlam. It was kind of just like, yeah, it's fine. They're not great. They're not, nothing's outstanding about it. Um, yeah. And that's, I think that's the downside though, of having such a big G8 though, with all those competitors, there's the downside of that is then you have to have a folly versus, God, who did he, a Yano match? Like that was just, oh, that, that, was, yeah. that was an abortion. Like <laughs> he looks rough. You didn't have like the, the beauty of like Naito versus Tanahashi, you know, Kata versus Jeff Cobb back to back on the same night to, to counterbalance some of that bullshit that you're going to see early on in the, the normal G ones in the years past. But 
we'll see. Hopefully it gets better. I will say this though. I didn't know that the Tokyo pimps gimmick was like, I didn't get that part of it. And so what is her name? Petra Petra? Uh, 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 Peter, Peter. Oh yeah. So I didn't get like the whole, I was like, Wow, that's pretty provocatively dressed. <laughs> I didn't get it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, he's the Tokyo pimp. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. You know, I I pretty much rely on Sean once the, new, once the, once the G1 comes along to, like, tell me what I should be watching and what I shouldn't be spark because notes. there's so much going on. Yes, he's very much my spark notes. And just looking at the ratings, knowing that we have a similar taste and everything, and then seeing the names even against those ratings, because if – if I see if I saw Zack Saber Jr. versus Kento was two stars, I'd probably still want to catch it just because I like them both. But when it is Fale or you know Yano or Chase Owens, these guys, there's just nothing that drives me to then seek that out because we've talked about it before. There's a million and a half things for us to watch wrestling wise right now. I don't need to waste my time on something that I'm not going to enjoy. Yeah, there was a night where it was David Finley versus Juice as the main event. Yeah, you don't get me to, to want to watch that right away. So it takes a lot. It takes a lot not to uh, give everything some ones just on name alone. It's it's where they do need some fresh blood, though, and they need to yeah. have some new stars. And they have to just completely retire Yano and Fale mm-hmm. and Tokyo like t- Pimp. There's a lot of guys that just don't need to be in a G1 ever again. Totally. Or put fucking light heavyweights in there and let them job and just say sell the fact that, like, that's why Osprey lost a lot when he first was in. I was like, well, he's a light heavyweight or this is his first time in a heavyweight tournament. Mm-hmm. That's believable and plausible. You have those guys job and lose. At least it's a fresh card. Like I'd love to see Hiromu in a G1. It'd be great. Yeah. Give us Hiromu. Give us, uh, oh my God, who's the time splitter that just Kushida, Kushida? back. Kushida. Kushida. I know that he's finally accepted his status as a junior heavyweight, but. Yeah, bump him up for the G1 and or open it up to non-heavyweight, make it a, just an all-New Japan type of a thing because when you're not adding new stars, it gets very stale very quickly, especially with just how much they wrestle in general throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's time to develop those young boys, just like we were talking about earlier. All right, speaking of new, Alex, what was your crunch? I don't know. This might be uh, controversial here, but... It's the fact that AEW is now introducing the trios titles, which I know that this actually is probably going to start with leading to a really fun um, feud. Because my guess is that this starts with uh, the Undisputed Era or what are they called? And I can't even remember their name currently. Undisputed um, Elite. Yep. Well, well, yeah, but like the just the Adam Cole and Red Dragon branch of that versus the Elite with a returning Kenny Omega. I would imagine that this kind of starts a feud between them as kind of that tournament type of a thing. Um, and we saw the Young Bucks talking about it, and they uh, walked past Hangman as they were trying to talk about finding their third, and Brandon Cutler was not uh, offered the spot as their third. So it's a shame. I think, I think though, I just first, I don't like trios titles. The trios matches, they're fine when they need to be done, especially like if it's like, you know, multiple groups that are, you know, or multiple people that are feuding against other, you know, other people that that are feuding. So just do, you know, the three heels versus three faces. I don't necessarily need a structural like title around that. I was really hoping with ROH having the trios titles that maybe they just keep that special to ROH and they wouldn't touch it in AEW. Um, And I just don't need any more AEW titles at this point. And, you know, we've got, we've got, 
you know, the, the TNT, the men's heavyweight, uh, the women's title, the TBS title, the all Atlantic title. Now the trios title will probably get a women's tag title. Not every match on a pay-per-view needs to be for a title, but also at the same time at this point, how can you leave off a title from a pay-per-view? So it, it just, it kind of creates that like, that like muddiness to it all. And I just think that they should be focusing more on telling good stories than focusing on telling stories that are just based on wanting gold around your waist. Um, yeah, totally. We don't need any more. I think, I feel like the only time the trios title worked was in Lucha Underground where you could just be more theatrical with it, use it all, use the six people to create a fuck fest in the, in the ring. But that's not really what we need in AEW now. And we don't need that sucking up other good talent to chase three titles together. Yeah. And the tag team division is fine as it is. And I think that, I don't know, makes them separate. I don't want to have another division entirely too. Um, yeah. And then too, like uh, stories make a belt important, not the belt making a story important. And I think they're getting that a little bit confused. And I like your idea too. I think that would be a fine ring of honor thing and just keep that with ring of honor, do a trios title there. If you like trios matches, Watch it on pay-per-view every six months. Yeah, give people a reason to tune into Ring of Honor. Because yeah. right now, it, it really... The, the reason is like, hey, you might get to see a guy like Claudio be in the main event where right now he's not. Which I love. I love you know a lot of those guys that were in the uh, last pay-per-view. But ultimately, like, what's the reason for ROH right now? And I think making it different is part of what you do to give give people that. Um, okay, and then my cringe of the week, um, the tractor spot in the Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match. Interesting visual. Like, it was fucking nuts to see. Like, I never thought I would see that, but I don't need to see it. And it just adds a element of silliness to the product. What's Why wouldn't he just run him over and kill him? Like, I don't, I, I don't get it. Like... And maybe that's what they did to get Brock to come back after he quote unquote walked out and like, well, if you come back, you can just ride a fucking tractor and blow up the ring. That can be your way of leaving. Now, don't get me wrong. That visual at the end of him when cameras were off yeah. and he was like climbing it on the end was like so awesome. And I think people did genuinely love that spot. People thought it was really exciting and different. And I legitimately was like holy shit what are they doing the first time he moved the ring i was like whoa that's crazy and it was a insane moment but then they had the match went on for like another like four or five minutes or something it felt like it just didn't end and it's like what the hell i don't know i just i, I think it's weird and i don't trust wwe even without vince um to not use this to set a weird precedent of having more cars involved in storylines and beating people with trucks and planes and just all sorts of goofy shit. It's so cartoony and it shows how stale this feud is that they had to resort to that. It just feels like it's a, um, a desperate attempt to have a viral moment or something like that. Like something that's going to make people see something on TikTok or on YouTube. Like, Oh my God, that's crazy. And maybe maybe that does work. Maybe their analytics say that that actually fucking does something for them. But I didn't even seek out the video of it personally. And I'm a very big wrestling fan. I actually kind of avoided it once I saw it. Um, 
I, I saw the photo, which the photo of Brock just sitting in the ring <laughs> with the cowboy hat on. That was really funny. <laughs> uh, I have to give him that. But I don't know. I It's one of those things where I just like sit there and I'm like, I guess WWE just isn't for me. Like, And I don't mean that like, yeah. oh, it's not for me like in a negative way. I mean, it's just I am not the audience at this point. I'm not who they're targeting. And it's something that I need to learn to be okay with. It just sucks because I like a lot of the people there. You need to move on. It's all right. She's gone. She's on to other things, on to other people. You, you're on to better things. And I'm, yeah, but it's, you know what I mean? WWE is what got us started. It, without That's WWE, true. this you know, podcast probably doesn't exist because I probably no. never would have really found, I never would have found ROH without finding WWE first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I don't know if you guys had anything else to add. Otherwise, I wanted to go into my bonus cringe. Am I good to go? Hit it. Hit it. I only want to add one more thing. It's the opposite of cringe. It's when Brock threw the microphone at Roman. Now that went viral too. Oh my gosh. That yeah. was fucking awesome. How he just like Roman caught it. Like Dick got it. Like that was the coolest steal I've ever seen. Like Roman is fucking cool. Like that was so, that to me, that was more cool. That was cooler than anything that Brock did with the ring. It happened. So just yeah. flawlessly, it looked just like a glitch in the matrix. Like something weird happened. Oh, wow. I'll have to seek that out because I have not seen that. Uh, my uh, my bonus cringe was uh, the fact that Rampage and Battle of the Belts is this Friday in Grand Rapids, and we will not be there for it. I know. Uh, taking a day off. Good, yeah, good good reason for some of us. Others, just I didn't want to spend the money um, personally. But, you know, Chris, you've got an anniversary to celebrate. And, uh it's worse you know, as too. much as your wife wanted to go to those events you had other things that you wanted to do so we get it and um i just think that it, it sucks because Takeshita versus claudio is going to be a great match i'm actually going to be putting out a article though later this week that kind of addresses my belief that they've kind of wasted Takeshita's uh, excursion by not having anything that ever had anything to do with a storyline while he's been here it's always just been almost like Hey, let's set up this potential dream match. Let's set up this dream match, which has resulted in some really, really good matches, but ultimately nothing of note to me. And Takeshita is actually heading home in about two to three weeks, and he'll be back in Japan uh, working for DDT at the end of August. So it just feels like it was kind of a, a waste. And maybe that's what an excursion is. We're not really used to seeing those on television here in the US. But to me, it just felt like a little bit of a, a waste. But back to that, um, that's going to be a great show, Battle of the Belts, just based off of that match alone. You could make that a 60-minute Iron Man match, and I would not complain. Yeah, yeah. Sucks that we're, we're going to miss it, but we got a friend of the show, Bird's going to be there, I believe. He said third row somewhere, so everyone keep mm-hmm. an eye out. Keep Reporting a, live from the ground for us. We got, we got uh, boots, on the, boots on the ground, or whatever they say there in we go. the news. Yeah. We, uh, we're in it. We, uh, we'll get the first reports, but uh, have fun. have a fun time. So one of the reasons why I couldn't go is my anniversary. But then the other reason why is like, we're going, we were going to Maine and now we're vacationing the next day in Grand Haven, which is like right there. Like, it's not like it's like that far away. And so it's like, part of me was like, can I just go on Friday night and then like drive back? And then, but it's like, uh, gas is so expensive too. So I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be allowed to. It is on our actual anniversary, but like, Fuck. Poor this fella. year's been brutal for AEW pay-per-views. There are big events, man. It's like the wedding. I have a you know wedding on all out. 
anniversary on this? I think once we have this as a fully fleshed business, um, that gives us a little bit more leeway into skipping any events that we need to, uh, because you know, then we can pick. Well, sorry, I, business work. Sorry, the tax, I'm working. Had a work trip. Yeah, tax applications of this are just crazy. I can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> the board will be pissed if I don't go. Yeah, you try it first, and then we'll follow suit and see how it goes. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll show you from my mistake and failures of it not working, and you guys can learn <laughs> on it. <laughs> She's very uh, strong-willed and not uh, understanding whatsoever. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last actual wrestling match she watched. I think it was Rio versus – it was actually the last Battle of the Belts match. It was Rio versus Britt Baker. Yeah. And just like – she was like, what the like, – I – she was, and she said, "Like Rio's so small. Like I feel <laughs> really young. This is like mean." She gets the point. She gets our point. <laughs> I, uh, I actually, the last time I remember her watching any like part of a pay per view with us would have been back in the days of you before you had your house. So back when you were in the old uh, townhouse. Oh, the, con- the condo. Oh, okay. That so that's how long it's been since I remember her like watching with us when, when yeah. we have a get together. Yeah, it doesn't last long. I'm going to actually watch <laughs> Raw with her tonight just to put it on and be like, oh, there's a scientist on who won the Nobel Prize. He's going to be the debut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to watch. He's, he, he, she did so much. I would say a female scientist. She uh, cured cancer. Now she wrestles. You'll love her. I think you'll remember her from Berkeley. Uh, it's not going to work out. Okay, so what are we anticipating, guys? What are you looking forward to, Sean Boy? Sean Meister, um, Sean Man? Um, as I went back today and watched uh, Dynamite, I heard Brody King call out Darby Allen for uh, Darby's type of match, the coffin match. Those two in a coffin match is going to be insane. There's probably going to be five-foot spikes sticking out of the coffin, a uh, tub of acid at the bottom just to really make sure the, the person dies. I, these two, I, the lengths they'll go to to kill Darby because Darby's never going to have a chance of killing him. It's insane. I saw a video this weekend too of Brody King diving into a crowd of moshers at one of their Hell's Gate uh, concerts or whatever the hell they're called. Last thing I want to see flying in the air is a 280 pound or however big he is. Just Jesus Christ. Nobody looked excited to catch him. Yeah. Oh no, no, but boy, oh boy, that'll be a crazy match and can't wait for it. Yeah. yeah, I oh go on. I was gonna say I think these two have it's similar to Ethan Page and Darby where they've had you know a really good like indies run of matches against each other and kind of have just some great chemistry and we we've already seen it a little bit with them. I'm excited to see it as as this is Darby's specialty match, um, and I think that it's gonna be it's gonna be just as impressive as some of the other things that we've seen Darby do in terms of like when he's with somebody that he, I mean, it doesn't even matter if he trusts them, I feel like at this point, but you know, he, he gives a lot of leeway to some of these guys that he's done a lot with in terms of, you know, I, you know, people can kind of really ragdoll him even extra. So it's going to be interesting to see what him and Brody have cooked up. And hopefully the fact that one of them is leaving in a casket is just a gimmick and not true. Yeah. It's, we just had the barbed wire match. I kind of could go for a little bit of no violence, but eh, whatever. We'll see. Bring, yeah. it back. Bring it back. Yeah. Like give us, remember like when uh, they did the Mark Henry versus Ryback in a, like a lifting competition uh, oh, leading man. up to like WrestleMania, one of the WrestleManias, like give us that, you know, something just a little bit calmer. 
I wonder like what WWE segment they could do that like emulates, you know, like a. I don't know. Okay, I'm losing my train of thought. There was like, like uh, who Triple H do like a um, pose Scott Steiner with the yeah. um, the whole what do you call this arm wrestle contests and all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah maybe they do, do like a slam like... dance slam dance contest. They go and slam dance. Is that even a thing? Who Am I sounding a, old? Who can do the best kick flip? Yeah, okay, they like play fucking Tony Hawk. See who's the it. best at it. No, it's just amazing how trusting Darby is. Of like, I really like that person. Hopefully, he just destroys my spine. Like, he just has such an, a tremendous amount of trust, and like the people that he seems to like, yeah, they do like fucking crush him. It's amazing how he feels so secure to let this guy. Like Brody was just throwing him in the guardrail and those oof god his finisher just the way he like almost like yeah. threw his head into the ground but still had control of him oh, why oh, do gosh. we let the ones who we love the most hurt us the most you know age-old question <laughs> uh my anticipation is uh, i kind of talked about it with my belief of <laughs> ironically with my cringe being the trios titles is the fact that the undisputed elite is coming back this week so Honestly, I'm hoping that the criticism of Adam Cole is is heard loud and clear by Tony Khan and we get to see a little bit of a different side of him fairly soon. But I'm excited for Undisputed Elite coming back because I'm excited to see the split kind of officially happen because I think that you kind of have to keep Adam Cole as he is until you have it. And I'm hoping that this also means that Kenny Omega's comeback is you know still on track and coming soon because I... I, I miss Kenny a lot more than I really like. I didn't think mm-hmm. that I was going to be happy that he was gone. Um, but I also thought it was going to be nice to kind of have him, you know, it was, it was going to be nice to miss him. And I'm at that point where I miss him and I can't wait to see people getting V triggers and, um, and that one winged angel. And, you know, I, I have high hopes for his run when he comes back. I think him versus Osprey is something that's clearly being set up as well. So seeing that the undisputed elite is coming back, I'm reading into that way too far. Yeah, uh, I I wanted him to take a lot of time off. Just the injuries that he was dealing with. I mean, God, he's he's only he's been he'll be gone for under a year if he comes back in the next couple of weeks. And the injuries that he was nursing are injuries that someone could end their career on, and you it's totally understandable. So for him to come back, it's crazy. But hopefully he's rested and he's well. And he doesn't have just hopefully he doesn't have the vertigo shit. Like I can't imagine yeah. what that's yeah. like, like a fucked up ankle and shoulders like that sucks. And I don't know what that feels like to do bumps and shit with that. But the vertigo stuff has got to be just so disorientating. So hopefully he's healthy when he comes back. Um, I don't know if the right play is to hype his return or just have it as a surprise, but I think that will be a great storyline of how uh, the young bucks, Adam Cole, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page all fit in. That's such a great storyline of who has the power dynamics and who's with what and what's going on. And then you add Kyle O'Reilly in there, just makes it even better. And then what the fuck, Bobby Fish? (laughs) He's there. He's there. All right. So I'm looking forward to Clash at the Castle. I'm a big mark for Hmm. stadium shows that are abroad. So I'm really looking forward to this. Do I think it's going to be a great show? No, because I don't think SummerSlam was that great show. But it was. Uh, this will be the first chance for Triple H to really do something different. I think that gives him enough time 
he's in power. He's been able to flush some things down the toilet of Vince's booking. Like he booked Becky Lynch as a face. Um, he's correcting a couple of things here or there. So maybe this finally gives him a fresh start and he gets to actually do his vision over there. Um, I don't know if they're going to do Drew McIntyre going over Roman Reigns, but it's a big main event. Um, they're going to probably, they, I think they sold like 65,000 or 60,000 tickets already. Like within minutes, they sold that stadium almost out. So they're going to have a huge ass crowd. Uh, so I think it's going to be an exciting show. It's going to be a cool atmosphere. The fans over there are crazy for it. So hopefully it's something different. Um, what do you need to see? Uh, it's a question I just thought of, though. So what do you guys need to see to make you feel like WWE is different without Vince? I think it's I, I think for me, it's a commitment to 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 newer people and newer stars and not just feeling like everybody's being fed to to Roman or anything like that. Or even just like I want to go into a few I want to go into a, a feud with Roman, even if the person does lose, want to go in thinking that they have a chance mm-hmm. right now. There is nobody that's on Roman's level, even Brock. Brock had no has had no chance for a while at this point, really. Or even if he does, like it's not even exciting, like to just hot potato the title between those two. So I think you need to see some legitimate stars, and also I, I want to see like some. I want to see people being able to kind of go back to themselves, like let Pete Dunn be Pete Dunn, not oh, Butch. Butch. Uh, give Austin Theory his first name back. Um, you know, just make things feel a little bit more like it's a wrestling show rather than it's, I don't like, I don't even know what it's really to me. Like it just feels like a weird drama lately and I'm okay with them doing stuff like Logan Paul and Pat McAfee being involved, but like also have some, like have, have a piece of like true, you know, wrestling. Like it's okay to like, you don't, it doesn't have to be all steak. You can do a lot of sizzle, but give us a little bit of steak. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I, you said it perfectly. If I can say one name that I would want to see shot to the top and kind of give a little more disparity of uh, Roman's run that he's had, uh, Finn Balor, one of Triple H's like first little call-ups or mm-hmm. guys he brought over. So I would love Finn Balor to get back to the um, the top that he, he started when he first got into WWE. And it's not going to feel different if they keep with these fucking camera cuts. Well, well yeah. Yeah. The first thing that was officially under Triple H, even though it's Vince's show, was the Madison Square Garden one on Monday last week. And that was the first thing they did was a bajillion goddamn camera cuts. And then in SummerSlam, Bianca and Becky, I watched it after coming back from I've, I've been drinking non-alcoholic beers and I actually had like regular beers for the first time. And then I like came home and I put that match on and I was like, I'm going to throw up. I have to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, I know I legitimate did. And it was like. I only had, I think I had like a few IPAs, like not a lot, not that would make someone disorientated, but like I watched a little bit of that and I, I can't fucking watch this. Kevin Dunn's It's going to make me hurl. It just, yeah, he's got to go. Kevin Dunn's got to fucking go. Especially with sure. all the yeah. stories we know about him being a piece of shit too. Allegedly. Yeah, I can't, I cannot stand the, the camera cuts. Um, and I, and I really just, I feel like they just need to change up the presentation in general. Yeah. Like they just need. And it's not even a, it's weird because it's, it's okay. If if Kevin Dunn was somebody who evolved and changed his style, like that'd be one thing, but like, it's like, they've just been doing the same thing for so long. Like they change everything else. They change the, the, the ramp, they, you know, make the ring posts all led. They do all these different things on the set. 
but then they just, they keep presenting it in the same way. Like be creative around that. That was one of the cool things about, you know, to talk about Vince real quick. Like that was one of the cool things about the XFL was he was always changing the way that they presented it and trying new different things and things that like then people were like the NFL needs to, needs to adopt this. Why aren't you doing that with WWE? Why are you just constantly doing the camera cuts, which everybody talks about how awful it is. I don't know a single person who's like, I watched WWE for the camera cuts. Totally. Totally. Another thing that's got to go, those 3D entrance animatronic, Ugh. Roman Reigns, uh, or Bailey I feel Busters. like those are only, I feel like those are only going to get stronger. Even more during, you, you, it, not yeah. necessarily because of Triple H, but I just feel like people love terrible augmented want. reality. Yeah, it's probably true. And, and Roman needs to actually like get to the ring faster. Like Andre the Giant with a bum leg could walk faster. <laughs> like, it's like Jesus Christ, dude, like move, move your ass. Uh, the look of SummerSlam was pretty impressive. I do have to say, like, I know it wasn't a legitimate, uh, you know, 48,000 people in there, but the way that they sectioned it off and shot it, it looked very impressive. Uh, almost as impressive as Kid Rock making out with the, what was her name? Trailer Trash Tammy? Yeah, apparently she, I didn't know she was a TikTok star and found that out. Uh, Huge star. So that was interesting. We, we, had, we had a lot of Kid Rock. So, um, Great that WWE is sticking with their commitment of not being divisive and political. You had Kane and <laughs> Kid Rock there. So, I mean, uh-huh. man, it only took you a week to just fucking spit in everyone's face on that one. Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, I would love to never see Kid Rock again. That was actually almost my cringe as well. Detroit's finest. Michigan's proudest. Romeo's. Romeo, that's right. Look at what we've done as a state. We've given everyone Kid Rock. Uh, we we apologize for that. Okay, well, that's going to be this week's episode. Again, we'd like to thank you for your support. Uh, please subscribe via iTunes or Spotify. Give us a five-star review as well. And please make sure to check out WrestlingElitist.com. Sean's been killing it with the G1 uh, star ratings and getting them sent over to us. Alex had a great article on Ricky Starks. I encourage everyone to read that. For nostalgia purposes, go ahead and check out my top 10 matches of the 90s. Then I'll do some semblance of review on SummerSlam. And like Alex mentioned, he's got an article on Takesha that's going to be coming as well. So we've got a lot of great things happening on WrestlingLeaders.com. We're getting international hits from all over the globe. Worldwide, baby. Um, worldwide so we appreciate that as well like legitimately thank you for coming to the website even if it's just a skim thank you uh drop us a line at our email extensions as well if you have a question you'd like us to uh discuss on the show sometime in the future and with that we'll give it to rick rude hit the music